This is Andy Lewis, and you're listening to The Norse Mentality. So we're doing this new thing on The Norse Mentality, as you're probably already aware of, because this is like the sixth one. Yep. But we're answering questions directly from you guys. The whole purpose of Norse Fitness and The Norse Mentality is to help you reach your full potential physically and mentally. So I figured, hey, why not just ask these fucking people what they need help with? Yeah, let's and help them. That's what we're doing. And yeah. to help me help you is my buddy Jacob Davis. What's up, everybody? So what's the first question today? So we got a good one out of the gates. Uh, what is the best way to stop self-destructive patterns and cycles? That is a good one. Mm. Damn. I think first you need to kind of take a step back and see how it's affecting those around you, mm-hmm. the people that you care about. Yeah. That's going to give you that motivation because obviously just focusing on yourself isn't enough, right? you know, right. or else you would have stopped doing it. Yeah. I mean, what is, what's triggering this self-destructive behavior? Yeah. You know, like what's causing it? What are you not um, dealing with? Yeah. What is it that you're, you're suppressing and you're like replacing with something else? As, yeah. Cause then I, I really, that's all you're doing. Yeah. And I think when it comes to self-destructive patterns, people are not really even aware of it. Mm-hmm. And that's very unfortunate because it's buried in their subconscious and they're just doing shit and their life's falling apart, and they're like, yeah. I don't understand why. And it's because you are not, you don't have any self-awareness with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, and it could be a lot of things. Self-destructive behavior could be alcohol. It could be food. It could be laziness, playing video games nonstop. So procrastination. Like, yeah, procrastination self-destructive as hell. Like, yeah. One thing leads to the next. So really, yeah, I mean, look at how it's affecting those around you. Maybe mm-hmm. that will give you a little bit of motivation to do it. And we talked about this in the past, but I don't want to harp on it a lot, but maybe consider getting a counselor, yeah. getting that third perspective to kind of help you dial in why you have these self-destructive patterns. Mm-hmm. And then really, like once you understand why you're doing it, you'll have more of an opportunity to stop it. Right, right. And yeah, no, I agree. You know, and even if you don't get a counselor, just talk to someone that you care about, maybe a best friend that's known you for a while, family members, if you're if you have any that you're comfortable with. Yeah, and and the simple fact that this person knows. By the way, we don't know who's asking these questions. Yeah, they're all anonymous. Um, this person knows that they have self-destructive patterns, which that's awesome. Yeah, so you're identifying it. What is triggering you to do them again? Yeah, I wish I knew a little bit. Yeah, we need more context. Yeah, so maybe submit another question and (laughs) give a little more. Yeah, so I mean, we'll tackle this again, but it's kind of hard not knowing what self-destructive patterns you have because if we knew it, we could probably help. Help you really get rid of it. Yep. But maybe you don't know. So talk yeah. to some people that could help you with it. Yeah. And if it's like a loop, like in a, we discussed on the previous episode, addiction and addiction to substances. Yeah. Uh, if it's a loop where you just feel like you can't control it, try to replace it with something else positive in your life or some That's other say ritual, too. you know? Yeah. Um. Once again, look at the people you're around. Mm-hmm. Maybe these people are encouraging the self destructive behavior. Yep. And if that's the case, then cut them loose. Yep. You know, your number one priority is you. I'm going to get that on a fucking t-shirt. That's right. That's a good one. That's a good one. (laughs) Moving on to the next one. Next question. I have moved four times all over the country in the past three years, and I am currently torn between whether I should move again or try to stick it out and give the current area a chance. Essentially, the question is, how do you know when you should need to make a move or stay and try to figure it out? So I can tackle this one from a personal experience. Mm -hmm. Since I was a teenager, I've been traveling and by Mm -hmm. traveling, I mean like traveling the world at least every other month. Right. And you know, before it was traveling all over just for the sake of traveling for business or whatever I justified it as 
it was traveling with my band. So I was gone mm-hmm. for months at a time touring. And right. that was because I hated being in Panama City, Florida. Mm-hmm. You know, I would have done anything to get away from it. It was a coping mechanism, you yeah. know, and it's always been a coping mechanism. When I get on an airplane, everything just, all the stress, everything just vanishes from me. And mm-hmm. it's because I'm no longer dealing with the stresses that I have back home. Yeah. I'm able to kind of shut down. But then COVID happened and I was no way, I was no longer able to run and I lost my shit because of it the coping mechanism that I've been using for 10, 15 years to not deal with my shit was no longer available for me. So I really had to kind of sit there and figure that out. And I remember sitting there one day and thinking that I should be able to be happy anywhere that I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if I'm not able, yeah. yeah. If you're not able to be happy because of a location, it's not the location, it's you. And I, I don't mean to sound harsh, I'm saying that because I had to come to that same realization, Mm -hmm. but you should be able to be happy in any location. You know, happiness is an inside thing. It's not your outside environment. Right. To a certain extent. Yeah. I mean, I I just wonder, I mean, I understand that I love traveling as well. It's, it's a relief. It, it helps in a lot of ways. They've moved four times all over the country in the past three years. What for? Like for work? Or I think like they're trying just, to find somewhere that's going to make them happy. Yeah. Well, you, the, know? you know, and a place is not going to do that. No, right? it's not. Yeah. That's, it, it took me 15 years mm-hmm. to finally come to that realization. Yeah. But then once I did, I'm like, okay, well, then that means I need to figure out how to be happy here. Mm-hmm. It seems like they move and, you know, you get that dopamine release. Like a It's like a honeymoon phase in a relationship. You know, like everything's happy and good right when you move in and you're, you got your new house and your new place and you're getting then, it all figured out. It turns into the same place that you lived before. Yep. And there's a reason thing, for that. Yeah, it's a crazy thing called reality slips back in. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's like, so. Um, yeah, so maybe take, do some self-evaluation and figure out why you keep moving. Mm-hmm. And if it's for happiness, then listen to my words once again. Yeah. Happiness is an inside thing. Yeah. It's not an outside thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm seeing this very, I see this correlate very much to how people are in relationships too. Yeah. You know, like it's. You don't find the happiness in other person. You don't find it in places or things. It's, yeah. It's within you. And those outside factors just contribute to that. So, yeah. Now, if you live in just a really shitty place, mm-hmm. then try to get out of there. Yeah. But it, but you've moved four times. Yeah. So I think it's, it, mm-hmm. it's an internal situation, which yeah. is completely fine. We've all dealt with it, including myself. But it's time to get it dialed in. That mm-hmm. way you can and, live a happier life. Yeah. And maybe the places that you've moved to, uh, the, since you moved so frequently, they're shitty. They're, they suck because, I mean, you're not in a place long enough to develop any kind of meaningful relationship with people, That's like friends, point. family, you know, other people. Yeah, four times in three years. It's tough, man. You're That's, not even spending a year yeah, in the same location. Exactly. So you're, in in a sense, you're a nomad, so you're not really able to develop Which is cool, any, too. I yeah, get that. Yeah, like, cool. I get it. I would consider myself a wonder. Like, I have that wanderlust at uh-huh. all times. And I still do, but yeah. now I can be home and mm-hmm. be happy with it. Right. And I've also realized that it's not materialistic items. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not anything else around me, like I'm happy with who I am. And that's an amazing feeling. Right. And doesn't matter where you live. If you can really just be happy with who you are and learn to love yourself, life's going to be amazing no matter your mm-hmm. location. I agree. I agree. So yeah. Yeah. That's, what's the next one? All right. So this is a good one. When looking into starting a business venture, what did you do to get the cash to start up and where did you go to sell the product that you had acquired? Okay. So me and Jacob both are business owners. As you're probably aware of, Jacob owns a nutrition store. He sells supplements and stuff, a very successful one. Thank you. In Spartanburg, <laughs> South Carolina, he's planning to open up a second location. It's it's on its way. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> and of course, as you know, I own Norse Fitness. Whenever I started Norse, 
I traded an old recording interface for the first 25 Norse tank tops. Mm-hmm. My buddy Mike Stello, which is still one of my best friends, he still prints all of Norse's merchandise. Made out like a goddamn bandit because that was like yeah. a $600 recording interface and it cost him maybe 30 bucks to make this, to yeah. make these damn tank tops. But right. I didn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted to start this company. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the cash flow to make it happen. I had this recording interface. I was no longer using it. So, you know, I just wanted to make sure I had it. I sold those out of the trunk of my car for a year and I continued to take the profit and dump that into more inventory. And I did that for three years. I didn't mm-hmm. touch any money from Norse, any yeah. profit for three years. And then finally I was making enough where I could become self-employed. Right. And then even then it was just enough to live off of. And I still try to keep it pretty minimum. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's how I did it. Yeah. I, I mean, retorted, I traded that recording interface for the first tank tops and I considered, mm-hmm. I just continued reinvesting that money. Right. Right. And I think that's the main thing from my perspective. I is agree. Be focused on what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. Like have. Yeah. I mean, you know, not to, not to cut you off. Yeah. No, a lot good. of people they glorify or they idealize the the idea of business ownership and owning a business. And so like, unless you have something you're so passionate about and know that you can make a thing and like provide value to the world, don't just try to start a business to start a business. I just want to put that out oh, there. Oh yeah, no, let's tackle that you too. Know, like don't, yeah. you, you don't need to just go and try to start a business because you see profitability. Like you, you, if you're going to start something, you need to be passionate about it and you need to like love it to its core. That's how you're going to provide value to the world. And yeah, monetize. well, that's the value part. Yeah. That's where most people fuck up when it mm-hmm. comes to starting a business, especially now in 2021. It's so easy to start a business. Really, you right. just make an Instagram account. I'm a CEO of this fucking company. Yeah. No offense to you guys. I mean, I, I love the enthusiasm, mm-hmm. but business is providing value to someone else in exchange for money. Exactly. If you're not providing some sort of value, you do not have a business and you're definitely not going to be successful with business. Mm-hmm. So figure out what the world needs. And then give them that solution. Yep. That is how you start a business and that's how your business will become successful. And then when you start losing sleep, mm-hmm. worrying about how you're going to help other people yeah. instead of how to make money, yeah. that's when you're going to be successful exactly. as well with business. Yep. So, I mean, and I think if you have those clear and like defined uh, like pathways of your business or your value provision, the startup cash will it'll manifest itself in some way, shape, or form. Whether it's you trading your own your things, that it will you literally have. fall into your lap. Yeah, like yeah. You, it'll it'll happen. You know. Yeah. And um. It, yeah. One hundred percent. Like if you believe in it enough, and you're like, okay, I want mm-hmm. this to happen. It will happen for you, and it's yeah. going to just kind of happen naturally. Mm-hmm. But also something I want to touch on: just because you're selling some stuff doesn't mean that you're rich. No. <laughs> we both been there. Yeah. I know that we have. Where you know we have some good sales, and we're like, oh, I'm. That, start was, thinking that, that was me three weeks ago before I paid taxes. <laughs> you don't, start thinking that you're a lot like more me. successful than what you are. <laughs> and that's what everyone does. I think every yeah. business owner can relate to that. You mm-hmm. start thinking that you're a lot more successful than you really are. Yeah. So I think the main thing there is to be humble at all times. Mm-hmm. Maintain modest, the humility. Yeah. yeah. You know, humility. Yeah. Yeah. Maintain your humility, but be willing to punch somebody in the mouth and, and prove them wrong at the same time. Yeah. You know, Those like, two <laughs> things right there are going to help you. Um, yeah. I mean, and so maintain humility. Do not, you know, it, it, assuming you do get the cash to start up, like there's, there's so many ways to, if you have a good business plan, there's going to be private investors that might, you know, be interested. For example, I was lucky enough to have a small uh, acquisition of that from a family member, which was a very small lump sum of funds. Yeah. Uh, we had the company valued two months ago and we're easily 12 times that initial. Right. So it, it's, well, that's the thing, you know, so you took this money that was given yeah. to you after someone died in mm-hmm. your family. And you took all that money and you invested it into starting this company. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Whereas most people would go and, you know, waste, waste it on some shit. Yeah, right. They'd buy something fancy or, or, or something like that. Well, let's also touch on this real quick. You lived on your parents' couch mm-hmm. yeah. for a long time. So yeah. Jacob had a business, like a yeah. brick and mortar business, and he lived on his parents' couch yeah. for what? Probably a year or so, yeah, right? They let me stay there for a year. I mean, I obviously I was my, my parent I love my family. Yeah. But and you know, like they were willing to let me stay longer if I needed to, but I like made a promise to myself after college, right after I got out of college. I went straight into TNS. We opened up like two months after graduating. Right. I didn't even go to graduation because I was down in Spartanburg getting ready for the <laughs> store. I said, screw that. I'm not going to walk across your you know, four-year little degree celebration yeah. and go get drunk afterwards. Screw that. But yeah, so for a year, I stayed in my parents' house. And then after that, I was like, nope, I'm out. So I, I yeeted out of there just out of conviction to myself. Yeah. But um, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, assuming you get the cash to start up, right, somehow, your sales... Like he said, for three years, that's not profit. It shouldn't be profit. No, you should not be collecting that money. And also, Roll I did in. not go self-employed until it was about three years into Norse. Mm-hmm. And I pulled into work. I was a bartender at Bonefish Grill. I pulled into work and I opened up the door and I puked to my car. Yeah, so I, I went to go get out of my car and I just puked because I did not want to be there. My stomach was so fucked up with nerves. Damn. And I was like, nope, I've got to go in here. You know, I just had a kid as well, guys. So mm-hmm. my little girl at this point was only three months old. Yeah. I was like, I have a little girl. I can't do this. Like, you know, I got to suck it up and go mm-hmm. in here. And I walked in and everyone, you know, I was working with this other bartender and she's being a bitch. The manager came up griping at me the whole time. I can feel my phone vibrating because Norris is bringing in sales. And I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm done. But I literally could not handle it anymore. Yeah. And that was the only reason I went self-employed. And my mindset during that was, okay, I'm at a point now where if I invest this extra time that mm-hmm. I'm wasting here yeah. into Norse, it will grow quicker. Yep. And that's exactly what happened. But once again, be realistic here. Mm-hmm. Make it a side hustle for a while, depending on what you're doing. Jacob didn't really have that option because he had a brick and mortar store. Yeah. So and I, spent, was, I'm, I was fortunate. Yeah. Who am I kidding? You know, I was very fortunate. But I mean, just different perspectives. Right, right. Um, but if you can, if you're starting an online business and you can absolutely make that your side hustle for mm-hmm. a while, and then as it grows and you're burning that midnight oil, mm-hmm. which you will have to do. Honestly, like, I miss those days a little bit more. Oh yeah, me sometimes. too. Like you, you know, you, when you're going through that, the 90 hours a week. Yeah. Oh, you hate it, it but you love it at the same time because it's something you're passionate about. Right. And you know, you're working some bullshit job that you fucking hate for the yeah. first eight to 10 hours of the day then uh-huh. you go home and you're instead of going was, out with friends I was this close to working third shifts for UPS where you're really? yeah because I wasn't making any money like at, at TNS very close there you go see but we all deal with it yeah we so, all deal with it you have to though yeah I think every business owner has had to deal with that initial mm-hmm. just sucking phase yeah you know um but yeah so that's how I got the cash maybe do the same thing look around your house what yeah. What do I need? Is it the fucking five hundred dollar TV sitting there? Probably not. Sell the fucking TV. Yeah. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Just start selling shit. Do you have a car <laughs> payment yeah. that is just like way too expensive for your budget? Mm-hmm. Could you sell that car and buy something cheaper and make a few grand worth of profit on it? Mm-hmm. Most likely. There's your money right there. Mm-hmm. And if you're starting a clothing company, you know, there's these print on demand services, which I've never used before. But I could see how it could be very beneficial for a startup brand. Yeah, because there's no money out of your pocket. There's no money out of your pocket. Yeah, you make less of a profit, but you also don't have to have a warehouse mm-hmm. like we have here. You yeah. also don't have to like dump $1,000 into shirts that may take six months to sell. Mm-hmm. That was the most horrifying thing yeah. to me in the beginning was starting to up our quantity. Right. We got shirts made and I was like, 
I have to pay $3,000 out of the pocket, you know, then <laughs> right. that turned into like 20, 30 grand. Yeah. But at that point, like I'm just used to it. But yeah, that initial investment is terrifying because you don't know if it's going to sell or not. And we still have products that I would consider a bust. Mm -hmm. same. You know, oh, same. honestly, this shirt that you're wearing, the shield wall shirt, I love this damn shirt. We usually sell out of stuff pretty quickly, not to sound cocky, but Norse usually sells out pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. This is one of the only shirts I've ever had made that we did not have to do a restock on. Really? And I still have some sitting in that room and it's been a year. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's one of those shirts yeah. that just did not sell well, you, as well you, as I you thought live it and would. Learn. You live and learn. Yeah, you, you know what I mean? Learn. And I think I want to touch on where did you go to sell the product you acquired? Because you started out in the back of your truck selling the tank tops, right? Yeah. And uh, I, on the other hand, and well, I guess you're, you're more of an online store. Yeah. Whereas I'm brick and mortar. So it's a kind of a different ball game there. But I know for me, when we first got started, like I was talking to Andy about this earlier. I went up and down my entire town and introduced myself to business owners and shook hands and told them, hey, this is what I'm opening. This is what we're doing. This is what we stand for. And it worked really well for you. Yeah. Yeah. One of the bitch. cameras just died. <laughs> I think we still got this one rolling. Okay, we got one Fuck it. We're All still right. going to keep going. So I just made a web store mm -hmm. and social media accounts, and I just started pushing it on there. So it kind of depends on what your product is, but you can still do brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't think you can, but... Jacob is oh, a example of oh that. Oh my God. Yeah. The whole the whole brick and mortar dead mentality is literally those people who are refused to provide value to the world. Well, they're refusing to provide value, but they're also refusing to do things like networking with yeah. your community. If you have a brick and mortar business, you have to network with your community, mm -hmm. plain and simple. Yeah. Like what are you doing to build it and they will come as bullshit. Build it and work for it and they will come. And provide yeah. supreme customer service yeah. and yeah. give them shit that they have never had before. Yep. I, in my supplement, you know, industry kind of group of friends, we often talk about this Facebook group and it's, it's like called the, uh, supplement shop owners worldwide. And all they do in that group is bitch and moan about how <laughs> Amazon's stealing their sales and how some other retailer is getting this, that, and the other, but none of them actually step out and actually try to provide value to their customers. So what did you start doing? I'd left that goddamn group. Well, you also realized what Amazon was doing and you yeah. started delivering supplements mm -hmm. to people in Spartanburg. Yeah, we do. We do at home at home delivery. You know, we do in person delivery. We also like try to make educational content to support whatever we're selling. Yeah. You don't get that on Amazon. You, no. you might get reviews from people that are paid to review them. Yeah. But our stuff is genuine. It's just a different kind of perspective on business. Yeah. Together. So you can 100% still do a brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. I will say online is probably easier, but at the same yeah. time, just because you create an Instagram account doesn't yeah. mean it's going to sell. Provide value, yep. provide value, provide value, mm -hmm. and just continue to help people. Now, did you notice when you opened up Norse Compound as a physical location, do you think that helped to kind of springboard your online sales as well? Not at all. No? Okay. No. Really? No. Yeah. yeah. So I think our customers enjoy seeing that we have a really good community here mm -hmm. at the Norse Compound. Yeah. But I don't think it really did anything for sales online. Really? For me, I've noticed that having a physical location has helped me gain that much more traction online. We should but push. I, I should focus on retail more. Right. And right. the only reason I haven't is because I don't want to pay someone to just stand around with their thumb in their ass all day. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah. I get that. you know, we sell clothing and accessories. Mm -hmm. Now, if we start carrying more supplements. Mm -hmm. Or making more. Or making more supplements. Mm -hmm. Then it might be a consideration. And honestly, right. like, if I pay someone minimum wage just to kind of be a checkout person, mm -hmm. then cool. It's not worth it. Yeah. I yeah. Get that. Yeah. So I, get I, that. I was just curious. I, I think, I, I I think it would help. Mm -hmm. And it's something that's in the back of my head because we do have the space for it. Mm -hmm. You know, on this other side of this wall, it's right there. Yeah. It would just be a matter of paying someone to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think in our industries are a little different too. You yeah, know? for sure. If you, 
I have a few friends that have only online supplement stores, and it's hard to generate traction when you're competing with the big dogs like Amazon. Right, and also... And, and bodybuilding.com. Once again, focus on what's going to move the needle the most. Mm-hmm. So for me, me getting out there and networking with the local community probably yeah. will not do that much. Right. But at this point, Norse is a worldwide brand. So I'm focusing on the world. Yep. And the only way I can do that is by putting all my attention online. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully that helps answer your question. And we got one more. Sweet. Let's do it. Uh, how do you deal with burnout? I work so much between two jobs, one I hate with a passion, that it's become incredibly difficult for me to do anything other than work, eat, train, and sleep. Okay. So I first like thing, yeah. yeah, this is a good question. Thank you. And I think we can both relate to it to some mm-hmm. extent. I was going to say, I like those last four words. Work, eat, train, and sleep. Yeah. What else is there to do? I think that's that's like my life right there. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, same. I, I and, work, I eat, I train, and then I sleep. And then when I'm not doing that, I'm spending time with my kid. Yeah. yeah. That's it. And you don't have a kid, so. I spend time with my thumb in my ass. Or you're working. Yeah. You I'm just working. don't stop working. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do. I do. Yeah. Typically, I'll. I'll uh, I'll bounce between two different jobs that I do because I'm I'm stepping into more like video stuff for other companies right. too. Right. So I mean, it, even whatever. here, yeah, you're I love this. helping with the podcast. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. This, but this is considered work. Mm-hmm. So, what else are you going to be doing, man? Right. So burnout. Let's let's define well, burnout. I want to tackle this last part. Okay. Just yeah. a little bit. What else are you going to be doing? Are you going to be going to a bar and hanging out with a bunch of fucking losers every night? Mm-hmm. What are you missing out on? What more do you want? Are you trying to match yourself to society's expectations or are you kind of just, to me, it sounds like you're doing what a winner does, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. I mean, what, what more are you trying to get out of your day-to-day activities that you don't feel fulfilled about? Because if you truly are working, which we probably need to back up and look at the fact that he has two jobs, that one that he hates. Yeah. So, so might be pulling him back a little bit. And I understand you're probably working that job that you hate because it's bringing in the money Mm -hmm. for you. And without it, you might not be able to pay your bills and everything. Mm -hmm. But if you hate it that much, that's why you're not okay with just working, eating, training, and sleeping. Mm -hmm. So those two play hand in hand together without Mm -hmm. even realizing it. The reason you're not okay with living what you would consider a basic life like that is because you hate your other job. You don't have time to find external activities to cope with it. Right. You know, so a lot of people, they can't wait till Friday because Monday through Friday sucks for them. So mm-hmm. then Saturday and Sunday is that time to let loose and go, go out to the bars and spend a bunch of fucking money that they just made mm-hmm. to cope with the fact that they hate their jobs mm-hmm. and that they hate their life. So if there is any way possible to quit that job that you hate with a passion, then please do it. If mm-hmm. that means cutting back on bills, managing money a little bit better. Mm-hmm. It might teach you a thing or two. You yeah. Know, you might learn from it. So th- that's my recommendation. The yeah. reason you're not okay with just working, eating, training, and sleeping is because you hate your job. Mm-hmm. So if there's any way to get rid of this job, then do it. Yeah. And, you know, uh, to speak on burnout, like we both deal with this, I'm sure. Nonstop. Yeah, it's, it's a continuous thing. I think um, for me is embrace the highs and understand the lows. You know, like when you're on your shit, especially in business or whatever you're doing, you really need to take the time to develop a system and a method of dealing with when you're burnt out, right? Like a system that's going to keep whatever you're doing moving forward, whether it's the list making, whether it's having employees do things for you, whether it is any of those things that's going to, you know, I reached burnout last week, this week, I guess. So Thursday, I realized I was becoming very hostile, Mm -hmm. which is one of the signs for me at this point. I know Mm -hmm. when I'm reaching burnout in advance, thankfully. Yeah. And I took Friday off and I went on a 10 mile hike. Yeah. I 
turn off all technology. I went out into the woods for about seven hours. I hiked, it whooped my ass, I cleared my head, and now I'm good to go. Yep. But kind of realizing when you're reaching burnout and then doing whatever it takes to stop that, things like spending all day on your phone will stimulate the brain in ways to make it feel like you're burning out more mm -hmm. than you are. So if you're using a lot of social media, I would recommend limiting that as well. Yeah. And, and it's going to help you feel like you're not doing as much. Yeah. And understand it. Like it's a thing. Like don't let it be, don't beat yourself up. We talked about a question earlier. Like don't beat yourself up if you're burnt out. Like it's going to happen. Oh, it's absolutely going to So you know, happen. you need to understand it. Don't embrace it. Don't encourage it. But understand that you're going through this and then take steps of action to hopefully, you know, climb back out. Right. And I just want to touch on the social media thing real quick. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people realize this. Just because you're scrolling and kind of looking at brain dead shit, you're still taking in information mm -hmm. and it's overloading your brain. Right, we, exactly. we, we, we have too much information coming at us at all times. So if you're feeling burned out, once again, consider turning off the phone for a little bit. Yep. And I think you'll find some clarity and you're going to realize that your life isn't as crazy as you think it is. I totally agree. But yeah, anyways, that's all we got for today, guys, or at least for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> we'll probably record another one right after yeah. this. But thank you so much for listening to The Norse Mentality. If you enjoyed listening to it and you found benefits from it, yeah. please share it with a friend. That's all we ask. Share it with someone that's going to help. That's right. Anyways, Appreciate you guys. We'll talk to you soon.